The first to admit that today's message is perhaps a little bit different and um, it's, it's kind of an ongoing thing in me. I just need to get some stuff out of me uh, because, and I think that some of it will get a little bit refined, but I, I, I know my, my goal is this, you know, I don't know, like um, when we uh, had uh, children, um, you know, we were introduced uh, to something that I'd never experienced as, as a child, which was the whole area of party bags. Everyone knows what, uh, you know, a party bag. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, like you just, it was just good enough to go to the party, you know? It's like when I was a kid, right, when you were, when, when uh, you were doing pass the parcel, only one person got the prize. You didn't get the prize, you didn't get the prize. Get over it. Now you've got to put a prize for each layer. They manipulate it so that the, the music stops at every child to make sure every child gets a little bit of something. I don't know. That, that, right. I don't know about all that. But let me say this, that um, part of the, the whole thing of, of, of a party bag is that you take home with you something of the party. And I just believe that as I come and preach today, that everyone's going to have a takeaway. Everyone's going to have something that they can take home with them. Your own personal designed uh, party bag that the Spirit of God has set up because He wants you to take something away uh, and take it into your life. So, I don't know any, whether anyone has seen that um, TV program. It's called Buried Alive. Um, you don't have to admit that you watch TV or that you watch anything, you know what I mean? It's just, but anyway, it's, it's just something I've seen a couple of times. And it highlights the, the, a condition called hoarding. You know, where people hoard stuff. And I mean, I'm talking hoard stuff. It's like you can't get in the bathroom. You can't get in the kitchen. You can't, like they have got, they've got stuff from floor to ceiling and, 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 and just like, you, the, 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 the home has become uninhabitable because they can't get rid of their stuff. And one of the things that I've often reflected and kind of, although it's not said directly in the show, that the outward chaos that you see around their lives is a reflection of the inward chaos that they are carrying. And, uh, you know, in so many ways, it is um, a cry for help, um, uh, although not all of them readily want to accept or receive help because they've become so accustomed to living with this chaos. And this has been kind of a developing thought within me that led to this scripture uh, in Mark 5 um, about really a man who knew what it was to have a life immersed in chaos. Let's, let's read this in Mark 5, reading from verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. 
night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And the large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Now I'm going to press pause. I'm going to press pause at that particular point so that I can address a couple of things. The fact that this man's life was clearly, uh, it was in chaos, was clearly evident to all who knew him. They heard his screams. They knew him as the man who had that kind of um, evil demonic power that could break chains. He had a reputation. Uh, mine's not to seek to focus because the Bible is silent, but mine's not to focus on how he got into this condition, but there's no doubt his world was in spiritual chaos. His life had clearly been influenced by, influenced by evil spiritual forces, and his life was in chaos. Now, because his life was in spiritual chaos, it had to impact the other areas of, li of his life. So, not only was it spiritual chaos, he was in emotional chaos. The Bible tells us that he would sit and scream out. Uh, he was someone who was in anguish. He would cut himself with, with stones. Such was the internal torment of his life. It influenced his emotions, and then, of course, anything that impacts your emotional, your spiritual world, and your emotional world will ultimately impact your physical world. And the Bible shows us that he lived naked in the graveyard, and he would cut himself with stones. So let's just go back to that scripture again. Where Jesus, verse 13, he gave the spirits permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now what I want to just focus on for one moment, the spirits that went into the pigs were originally all in this man and they had the power to send 2,000 pigs over the edge. The point that I want to make here is the same spirit that sent the pigs over the edge was the same spirit trying to send this man over the edge to his death. The chaos was supposed to take him down. The chaos was supposed to kill him. 
That's what was supposed to happen. And one can hardly imagine the inner pain, the inner torment. I mean, we get an idea of, of what it must have been like. And, you know, it's sad to say that even some people in this room today, as I'm talking, will know exactly what I'm talking about. That such was his internal anguish, such was his internal pain, that the only way he could find some relief was that he cut himself physically with stones. Imagine being in that much pain that the only way you can find relief is that you cut yourself. I want to say that that is not God's plan for your life. He does not want you to live in that way. And there is hope and there is healing here today for you. But the first thing, the first thing that this man had to do was to realize that he was not sufficient to sort out his own problems. He had to come to a place in his life where he realized, I cannot sort me out. I cannot do this. He tried to sort him out. He, the things he did that he thought would bring relief only brought temporary relief. He knew how to cut himself. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't set himself free. And yet the Bible shows us that in, 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 in seeing Jesus, he ran towards him. Not everyone's battles are as loud or as obvious as this man's, but they are just as real. And in coming to the end of himself, he ran to Jesus. You see, we, we are, as we would often say, body, soul, and spirit. When in truth, a more accurate way of saying it would be that we are spirit, soul, and body. Because primarily, we are spiritual beings. And if I am going to know hope and order in my life, then I have to spiritually be sorted first. The only way I'm going to see order in my body and in my emotions is if my spirit is, is sorted. And, and this man found Jesus. He came, he came to Jesus, and obviously not at this point in the, in the story, but what we know is that, that Jesus died to set us free. This man knew he needed a spiritual encounter. He needed to encounter Jesus. If we're going to find order in our lives, then we need an encounter with Jesus. Jesus died to set us free from our sin. He died to set us free from the things that cause chaos in our internal world. In 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible says this. I think this is a phenomenal verse. I'm going to read it in two versions. First one is the New King James where it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. In the NIV it says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of disorder. So where I find the presence 
of confusion in my life. It is the indicator that something that God has not authored is in my life. Something that God was not the author of is present in my life. However, it also says that he may not be the author of confusion or disorder, but God is the author of peace. So if there is the presence of peace in my life, then I can be confident that that is something that God has authored. Now right here, for somebody, this is, this is the message you came for. This is your party bag right here. Because you need to understand that God is not a God of confusion. So you're seeking God for His will for your life. You're seeking God for His will for your future. And you need to understand that if you find yourself in a place of confusion, that has not been authored by God. But then if you find yourself in a place where you're carrying peace, then you can know that this has the fingerprints of God on it. Not, not, not all things have to lead to confusion. Just the absence of peace is an indicator that what I'm involving myself in, what I'm embarking on here, does not have the fingerprints of God on it. So if God is not the author of disorder, then that means that God is the author of order. So when I look at my life and I find areas that aren't sorted, when I find areas that are in disorder, then I can, I can know that, that I have stepped away from God's order in those areas. I know that the, the, the further I move away from God, the further my life moves away from God, the more chaotic my life becomes. So God, in dealing with us, if, 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 if you are gonna see something change in your life, God always starts with your spirit. Because if he cut, all the other stuff is not going to work. He must start with your spirit because that's who you essentially are. And when he gets the spirit sorted out, then, then we can begin to, he can begin to impact the emotions and he can begin to impact your physical world. You see, Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You see, before God, without God, the Bible says we were dead. We weren't even living life. We're living life, but we're not living life in the way we should live it because our spirit is dead in trespass and in sin. It's dead in chaos. So when our friend ran to Jesus, it was because something in him longed to find order. He was tired of screaming out in the night. He was tired of his torment. He was tired of slashing himself with stones. He was tired of living a life of chaos. 
He was tired of battling his inner world. And there was something as he saw Jesus climb out of that boat on the beach, there was something inside of him that said, I need to get to Jesus. I need to get to that man. I don't understand everything. I've lost myself. I've lost my way. I've lost everything. But something tells me if I can get to Jesus, if I can get to that man on the beach, everything is going to be all right. Jesus forgives sin, breaks its power over his life so that his life can be restored. And what I love is that when God comes across my chaos, he unleashes order. When I give him permission, he unleashes order into my chaos. Because that is the nature of God. The nature of God is that he brings order. That was his nature from the very beginning. We know that in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says this, that when God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was a shapeless, chaotic mass with the Spirit of God brooding over the dark vapors. Then God said, let there be light. And light appeared. And God was pleased with it and divided the light from the darkness. He called the light daytime and the darkness nighttime. Together they formed the first day. The first thing God did with chaos was impress order upon it. He brings order. He unleashes order. The presence of God brings order into our lives. Similarly in Colossians It says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the one who is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He holds everything together that we know and understand. When he finds chaos, he unleashes order upon it. Maybe that was something to do in Mark 4 when when Jesus was woken from his slumber and he was in the boat and the storm raged all around and Jesus spoke to the storm and said, peace, be still. He brought order. He brought order. The disciples marveled at the fact that even the wind and the waves listened to him, but but God impressed order. And that's why everything became still in that moment. Jesus has the power to restore order to my life, to liberate me from chaos and to bring order. Why? Well, I believe that disorder burdens us. We are burdened by disorder. Disorder is a distraction. I may have learned to function in chaos, but I will never thrive in chaos. I think the worst kind of chaos is the kind of chaos I don't notice anymore. I have just learned to live with it. 
I believe even though I've learned to live with it, it is still affecting me in a negative way. I've just learned to live with it. We learn to live with a certain level of disorder. We learn to live with a certain level of dysfunction. We have learned not to see some things. We haven't moved, off, we haven't moved house often in our lives, but we've moved enough that this has been a relevant point every time we've moved house. Because the thing is this, when you're living in your house and you're just chilling in your house and everything's cool, you know, you just love, it's home, it's home. You know, it's the place where we love to be. But then when you decide to move and you put your house on the market, suddenly you're no longer looking at your house through your eyes. You begin to look at your house through the eyes of someone who's gonna walk through that door for the first time and see your house in a completely different way. And when you start looking at your house, that familiar place, when you start looking at that through the eyes of somebody else, you start to see things you never saw thing, you never saw before. It's that, oh, I, I need to get that sorted and all. How long has that been like that? I got, you know, you do more DIY when you're selling the house than you ever did when you were living there. It's because suddenly you're seeing things in a different way. I'll be honest with you, we seek to do church like that all the time. We seek to do things by looking at what things look like and feel like when people walk in here for the first time. We don't get so comfortable with what we are. We, we try and say, well, if I was walking here for the first time, what would I see and what would I experience? And because we, we want to make that experience the best possible experience. You see, disorder saps our energy. It, it, it's a thief. They say procrastination is a thief of time, but I think disorder is a thief. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe... The, 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 some of the signs of disorder around our lives. Right? Are you, I don't know. I don't know whether there's anyone here and, and, and I'm certainly not asking you to put up your hand, but maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're someone who's always looking for your keys. You can never find your keys. Where's my keys? Where's my keys? I know I, I have my keys. Where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Where is my wallet? I know I put it there. Has somebody moved my wallet? Has somebody, where's my wallet? You see, that kind of stuff, I mean, we, it's what, it happens to all of us every now and again, but, but, but when it happens consistently and you're often finding yourself in that place and, 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 and you, 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 because you were looking for your keys and, and now you're late, you were already late and now you're really late and now you're, now you're breaking the speed limit because you're late because you're trying to get there and, and now not only are you late but you're worked up and, and, and you arrive out of breath and, and ruffled and, and you're not getting the best out of that experience. Something, you're robbed of something because of disorder. Chaos is a thief of creativity because the clutter that chaos brings means I don't get the, the, I don't get the, the freedom and the liberty to think in the, in the way that I need to. Chaos makes me less effective. 
Chaos is the white noise that dulls my senses. When I'm living in chaos, I'm not living in the order that God wants me to live in. See, let me say, let me say this. Your bedroom is supposed to be a place of rest, not a place of mess. Now just think about it for a moment. If you think about it, that is the place where you're supposed to rest, where you're supposed to recuperate, where you're supposed to gather strength, where you, because what? Because if you have a bad night's sleep, it impacts everything. Turn to someone and say, he's talking to you. If you, if you have a bad night's sleep, it affects the quality of life. What I want to say is that the, the ambience of our bedroom should be one that is suited to rest. You know, if you went to a spa, if you went to a spa, I can see someone receiving a prophetic word right now. The pastor said I should go to a spa. If... If you went to a spa, you pay a lot of money, but you pay for ambience. They create an ambience of rest because that rest leads to a level of recuperation. It's about atmosphere. It's, about, it's not just about sitting down. They create an, an atmosphere which is conducive to you being restored. When I find myself surrounded by chaos and disorder, it impacts me. It affects me. I don't know. I don't know what your office desk looks like. I don't know. I'm just asking a question. I'm just putting it out there. Because I want to suggest to us that we, we, we maybe don't do our best around mass. We may have learned to accommodate it, to ignore it, to not see it. You could say that, hey, I know where everything is. I might need a bit of time to get there, but I, need, I know where everything is. But I don't know. I don't think that you're getting the best out of you by allowing an environment of disorder and chaos around you. I don't know how some people work. I used to work with a guy not here back in uh, Cape Town. And if he's listening to this message, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about because I used to tell him about it, but this is absolutely true. It's not a joke. We as a church uh, were once broken into. The devil is a liar, but anyway, we were broken into, and they went through some stuff, and I'm going around with the policeman and um, uh, looking to see what had happened, and we walked in this guy's office, and the policeman went, oh, no, they got in here as well. except they hadn't been there at all. In fact, the potential is they may have even left it tidier. It was that bad. It's like, how can you work in this kind of environment? I don't know, maybe the thief even opened the door and thought, mm, I'm not even going in there. I can't, even, I can't even do what I do in that environment. I don't know what was going on. But... See, if God is a God of order, and God is my heavenly Father, and God created me, and God sees fit to impress order on my life, God sees fit to impress order on situations, I've got the nature of God. I've got the nature of my heavenly Father in me. 
And, and therefore, part of me receiving order into my spirit is that it, has, it brings order into the rest of my life because I believe that God, because I'm like my heavenly father, I function better around order. Have you, have you ever had one of those experiences where you, there was that drawer or, or that cupboard and it's just a mess? Of, I mean, I don't know. It seems like every house we've ever been in, there's that drawer, that drawer that everything gets thrown in. There's just that, that drawer. And, and every, time, every now and again, you think, oh, I must, I must tidy that drawer. I must tidy that cupboard. I must, I must do that. I must. And, then, and then for some reason, one day you get up and you do it. And, and it's like, such an amazing experience. When that drawer gets tidied, when that cupboard gets tidied, you know that feeling you get? It's like, it's like amazing. It's like liberating, which shows that it's impacting you. I can just feel there's maybe one or two in here thinking, don't impact me. Well, I don't care. Well, I don't care. But, you know, like for most of us, it just impacts you. It's a bit like when you're, you know, clean, you know, you, you Sky TV or whatever, you're working through your hard drive, you're getting rid of all those programs, the whole series of Downton Abbey. You just delete, 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 delete. You get down to 15%. You just, it's a Peter K moment. You just feel cleansed, <laughs> cleansed. It's like, oh my, you feel like telling people, I feel like I need, to, I need to just let you know I've deleted nearly everything on my hard drive. It's an amazing feeling. You should try it. It's like, you just feel, because there's something about order that impacts me and makes me feel better. Romans 8, verse 19 to 21 says this. It says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subject, subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory and the freedom of the freedom and the glory of the, and glory of the children of God see bondage to decay is a tendency towards chaos Tando and I were reflecting in the break um, about some of you will understand I'm not talking about it but understand about en entropy the, in science, a tendency to break down, a tendency towards chaos. That is, that is the way life, life goes. You can, you can leave the garden absolutely mwah, perfect, wonderful, amazing. But if you don't touch it and come back in two years, you're not going to find the garden how you left it. Because chaos will have taken over. And the reality is, for all of us, no matter how ordered our lives are, they will always have a tendency towards disorder. We keep having to impress order upon it. I also notice that areas of my life that maybe can get away from the Lordship of Christ will always move towards chaos. You see, if I don't allow my finances to come under God's order, if I allow them to get away from God's order, then they will tend towards chaos. Yeah. 
if my mind is not brought under God's order. It will tend towards chaos. You know, my, my, my mind, I don't know about your mind. Well, actually I do, but I'm going to pretend like I don't. My mind does not tend towards order. My mind left to itself will take me to some places I definitely do not want to be. And I wonder how I got there. Because my mind has a tendency to take me. It doesn't take me towards order. It takes me towards chaos. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 says this. It says, we, what, what, does, what, what did I just say there? We, who's we? Exactly. This, this is the bit that God leaves to us. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, God le leaves us with some business to do. He says, you know, I, you, 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 I've given you your mind, but you're going to have to take care of your mind because your mind left to itself will take you to a place where you don't want to go. But if you do this, Romans 12 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. If we allow our mind to be renewed, then our minds will take us to a place where we should be rather than we shouldn't be. But we need to work on that. Because there will always be arguments and pretensions that are trying to muscle the way in. See, I, I just have got a bit of a theory, and this is some of the stuff that I'm, I'm working through. That if I can say it like this, if, if at the core of my being is my spirit, that's then that is the source of everything. So when things are out of shape emotionally or physically, there is, there is something that needs to be put right at the core. I need to come back to Jesus because the only, the only way I could ever get sorted out spiritually, because I can't sort that bit out myself, the only way I can sort out my mind is if I'm sorted spiritually. God will only give me that responsibility. He'll only give me that ability if I'm right at the core of my being. I've got to come to Jesus because coming to Jesus is what brings the order that enables me to get my mind in the right place. So we, we find that if we're not right spiritually, there will be evidence of that in our emotional and, our, and eventually our physical world. And, you know, those words can, words can get a little bit blurred sometimes. You know, that, that let's say you're out of shape spiritually, but the way it shows itself is that you're watching rubbish on TV or you're eating rubbish or you're watching some stuff on the internet that you shouldn't be watching. You know, I don't know. I don't know what your story is, but like for me, uh, I, I, I know 
there are a couple of things that are signs to me that things I need to run back to Jesus, you know? It's like when things start getting out of shape, one of the little signs, it's just one of the little signs, but the top of my drawers. I feel like as I'm saying this now, my family are going to say, they're going to come in and look at the top of my drawers and they're going to go, I knew it. I knew there was something wrong with him. <laughs> but if, my, if the top of my drawers or, or my bedside cabinet starts getting a bit messy, a bit cluttered, you know, start leaving stuff there, just, I'm just not on top of it, just doesn't look, that's an indicator that I've got too much clutter going on. I need to deal with some stuff. I need to get back to Jesus because there's some stuff that is manifesting itself on the outside that is the indicator of some internal chaos. Are you with me? Remember that life has a tendency towards chaos unless I stay on top of it. The garden won't do itself. I've got to stay on top of doing the garden, otherwise the garden will go, tend towards being out of control. There are some areas maybe that have never been free from chaos in your life. Maybe you are handed chaos. Maybe there are some areas that you're tidy and you've tried to tidy, but they fall quickly into chaos again. There's only one solution to that, and that is to run to Jesus. Because we can't sort that ourselves unless I'm right at the core of my being, at the center of the spirit. When I'm sorted spiritually, I'm empowered to impact those other areas of my life. And we see as we visit our friend again. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, watch this, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid. What an unusual response. You see, the reason they were afraid is because they couldn't work out how someone who had that much chaos in their life was now this sorted. And what's amazing is that's not even the end of the story. In verse 18, we read that as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. You know, I just love that. He was saying, no, don't, don't leave me. I don't, I don't want to go back to being what I was. I, there's something about you. There's something about being with you that makes me all right. But Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, the ten cities, 
how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And what I love is that God doesn't only want to sort out me. He doesn't only want to sort out you. He doesn't only want to bring order to your chaos. He doesn't want to only sort out your life. He wants your life to be inspired in inspiration to others. It's like, hey, remember me. Remember what my life was like. Remember what I used to look like. Remember the way I used to dress. Remember the way I used to look. Remember me. I was the one who screamed on the hills. I was the one who used to cut myself. I was the one who lived naked in the graveyard. But one day I met someone called Jesus and Jesus changed my life. He put order in my life. He impacted my spirit. He touched my emotions. He's liberated my physical world. I'm a different person because of Jesus and this same Jesus, this same Jesus who has done this for me can also do it for you. What goes unchallenged will stay unchanged. What goes unchallenged will stay unchanged. To summarize, because time's gone, step one will always and ever be step one. You're never gonna be free from the chaos and the disorder unless you come to Jesus. Step two, let Him bring order to my internal world. Let Him, invite Him in. Invite Him in to do that which only He can do. Peace points to His presence. Step three, know that Jesus empowers you and gives you the strategies to bring order to your physical and emotional world. Some things are not gonna be sorted overnight. Some things you're not just gonna click your fingers and everything's gonna be all right. But Jesus will give you the strategy. One of the things I note about the program I talked about at the beginning of the sermon was at no time do they ever send the person away on holiday and just bring the removal guys in and clear out their house and just bring them back to a tidy house. Why? Because unless they deal with the thing that's inside that person that created that mess, they will just come back into that empty space, that tidy space and create mess all over again. Because dealing with the external stuff is not the first thing entirely. You've got to deal with the core, with the center. Not everything will get sorted overnight, but Jesus will give you the strategies to bring order to your physical and emotional world. And step four, the new order in your life will be an inspiration to others and point to the power of the cross. Let's pray.
time's gone, let's pray. I don't know who it is that uh, God has sent me to, to speak to today, but I know there's some specific people who need to know today that Jesus has the power to set you free from the chaos and the disorder and bring your life to a place of order. Step one will always be step one. And that is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.